I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that says it only takes about 30 days to form a habit, but it probably takes about 24 hours to go ahead and just drop one. Now, I don't know about the 24 hours part, but I, I do know about the 30 days part. In fact, it's something we've said on this show before in previous seasons of Ave Explorers focusing on both Lent and Advent, that the church and her wisdom has given us 30 days plus 10. We get 40 days to try to build a habit. But the question is, a habit of what? A habit of fasting? Well, we're not always supposed to fast. A habit of prayer? We are supposed to pray unceasingly. A habit of almsgiving? Generosity is something that can breed kindness and virtue and holiness, to be sure. But what habit are we working on in Lent? And I think it's more and more evident to me, as I've been recording all of these interviews with our incredible guests for this season of Ave Explorers, digging into Father Agostino Torres's Made for Heaven, which you can still grab a copy of, by the way. We're going to be going through that book and the themes of that book over the next few weeks of Lent. As I've been conducting these interviews and reading through the book and thinking about Lent, even before Lent arrives, but then of course now living Lent myself, I can't help but think the habit that we're actually trying to work on for Lent is holiness. And can holiness be made into a habit in the sense of, well, this is just something that I regularly do, no different than I I have a, a habit, I have this kind of, uh, you know, it's the routine of my day where I get up and I go into the bathroom and I start to get ready for my day and I, I have a habit, a tendency of turning on a podcast and then taking my medicine before I do anything else because I don't want to forget that necessary pill. Is that a habit? Yeah, it's this repetitive activity. It's this thing that I do that's almost kind of second nature, muscle memory. So is it possible to have a muscle memory of holiness? Is it possible to have a habit whereby I'm becoming a saint. Well, I think it's actually the habits that we do that then become the habit of holiness. How many times can we say habit in the intro of an episode of Ave Explores? That holiness is the pursuit. Holiness is the goal. Holiness is the thing we're trying to achieve. And these various habits, these various activities and processes and routines and systems that we've set up in our life to press play on the recording of the rosary, to make the sign of the cross when we pass in front of the church where there's a tabernacle that holds the blessed sacrament, to speak kindly and gently before we fire off a criticism or we gossip. The habits that make us holy lead us to being a person who is habitually holy. And Lent is very much a, a training ground for that. Lent is this opportunity to enter into the training ring, so to speak, to enter into the desert where we will experience so many different circumstances and, and setups that will lead us to practicing these habits that make holiness habitual. Now, from a very practical perspective, what does that look like? Well, you enter into the desert of Lent and you choose to, say, give up sweets or you enter into the desert of Lent and you choose to add meditative prayer into your day. And that removal of something, that adding of something, that focusing on something different is a challenge. And the desert is a challenging place. It's arid. It's dry. It maybe is at times lonely. 
can be a bit harsh. The conditions are not necessarily all that pleasant. And yet it's in those unpleasant conditions, it's in that challenging wilderness that things begin to come to the surface. Things are revealed. Ideas come to mind. Habits of holiness are developed. And as those habits of holiness are developed, we begin to desire heaven. Maybe even recognize that that is what we're made for. When Father Agostino Torres wrote Made for Heaven, and he's going to tell us a little bit of the story of both the process and where the themes came from and, and the idea behind it, at the heart of his, his goal with this wonderful book was to reveal to people that this is not our home, that we're all pilgrims on a journey trying to get closer and closer to heaven, to Jesus, to sanctity. And maybe we have to pass through a wilderness, a wilderness that we sometimes resist, a, a wilderness you know, that, that we sometimes don't want to run into, a wilderness that we are scared by, but that it is maybe in that wilderness that the wild, arid nature of the place shows us things that we wouldn't be able to see otherwise, that maybe going into the desert and stripping everything away is actually where we can develop these habits of holiness. Now, that's a, a sorry excuse for an intro. It, it's far less good than anything that Father Agostino has written in this incredible book, again, which you can still grab a copy of, Made for Heaven, available from Ave Maria Press, short reflections every day with questions and with prayers that can lead you into the Lenten season with purpose and intentionality. And for the next few weeks here on the Ave Explorers podcast feed, we will be talking about the themes of this book, and we've got some incredible guests coming. We'll tell you about those later on at the end of the show. But we, of course, wanted to start things off by actually talking to the author of this incredible book. So we hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation with Father Agostino Torres about his brand new Lenten reflection book, Made for Heaven. Father Agostino, welcome back to Ave Explorers. How are you doing, Katie? Great to be back here. Yeah, it's great to chat with you. It's always good to see you. Where are you in the world? I know you've been traveling quite a bit. I'm in Patterson, New Jersey. I'm a chaplain at a university over here. And I am kind of doing some planning stuff, doing some end of year stuff, getting ready for the new semester. Nice. Now you had a kind of a crazy fall into Advent. Is uh, is your spring, is your Lent just as busy? Not as busy. Thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> but it's somewhat busy. There's a trip to Rome in a couple of days. And then there's um, I'm on the council of my community. And so we have a number of beginning of year meetings where we do all sorts of stuff like talk about who's going on for formation and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I've got some big meetings coming up. Yeah. We'll pray for that for sure. You mentioned community. You are um, a Franciscan friar of the renewal, the Jedi Cowboys of the Catholic Church. I <laughs> often affectionately think of you guys as. I, I've got to be around quite a few CFRs this year. It's been a real joy. Father Maliki and I have had a few events together. Hopefully we run into each other at some point. We're going to get to the book in a second, but I, I want to hear what drew you to the CFRs in the beginning. I've known you for years, and I don't think I've ever heard the story. What drew me? Uh, well, I think it had something to do with what repelled me first. <laughs> you know, so like right now, the CFRs, they're like, oh my gosh, you're a CFR. And I'm like, yeah, you know, don't breathe in. Our founder, Father Benedict, would say like, when people tell you good stuff, don't breathe in. The first time I saw the friars, I was like, it's a bit much, actually. It's just like... <laughs> You know, I, I hear you, you're trying to do good things, but it's a bit much. And like, at first I was scandalized because I'm from Texas, Katie. Mm -hmm. And the first time I ran into the friars was at the pro-life march and I'm like freezing. 
it's like maybe 48 degrees, 50 degrees out. I'm freezing. I'm from South Texas. And I see these CFRs show up and they don't have socks on. I was scandalized. <laughs> I was like, oh, these poor, these poor young men, they're abusing them. Somebody needs to get them socks. Because like, not only am I from South Texas, but I'm also Mexican. And like, that's like the one thing you don't do. Like you always keep your feet covered because if not, you're, you're going to get, get sick. sick. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was just like, oh my gosh. And they look like gaunt. And like, I was like, oh, but I, I spoke to father Benedict and he's just like electric. You know, he's just like, he was so amazing, so thoughtful and so, so engaging. I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. And I left it there. You know, during my college years, I would run into the CFRs here and there, different retreats, and they would like talk to me and I would be like, oh yeah, you know, it's good stuff, good stuff. Didn't really think much of it until my senior year of college. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Lord, I think you're calling me to something more, something deeper. And it's scary. Battled with that, you know, like kind of like went through some ups and downs. And I finally went and visited the CFRs. And you know, Katie, like sometimes like we don't want to go through the battle. We don't want to go through the struggle. But had I not gone through that struggle, I, I would not have realized like what I really need. And, um, you know, through that struggle, I began to, in college, began to try to pray a daily holy hour. And I said, I need this. And when I came and visited the friars, it's like, that's like part of the life. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And like, I, I also discovered that like, you know, in my heart is, is a deep desire to serve the poor. I came to the friars and I'm like, wow, they do this. And then also just like part of the fiber of my being is like to spread the gospel. And like, that's exactly what the CFRs do. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you, you created this order for me. But had I not gone through some times of difficulty and some times of struggle, I never would have realized that. So I'm just really grateful for that. And since then, there's been ups and downs. There's been assignments all over. There's been some really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, experiences and also some really difficult ones. Uh, like my first year of temporary vows was 9-11. Mm. And like, here I am in the New York City and like, you know, the world is changing all around us. And like, I'm like, you know, maybe a couple weeks into my first vows and we're in ground zero, you know, picking up our brothers and sisters who died there, you know? Uh, so it's been, it's been kind of intense and beautiful all at the same time. And I've been a priest now for 15 years with the order. And here we go. I just got elected to the council yeah. this past May. And so I'm taking on some new roles and it's a little scary because it's always easier to kind of be like the obnoxious adolescent in the room. <laughs> and it's hard to be the responsible adult. Yeah. And to have Jesus essentially say, I need you to be the responsible adult. As uh, I think when you got elected, you mentioned it meant more responsibility and, and more discernment and making, you know, making the order grow up in a lot of ways. You said something there that I think is very relevant to your book which was that you saw something and knew it would be scary and avoided it, which I think is kind of the definition of the desert. Who wants to go lounge in a desert? Nobody. Maybe John the Baptist, but he's weird. We avoid the desert. We would much rather the, the resort or the sauna or the pool that has endless bottomless drinks from the bar. But Lent is specifically a time of entering into a desert that's kind of scary. Talk to us about Made for Heaven, just kind of the general overview, why people should use this book why you wanted to really tackle this entering into the desert with intentionality and purpose. 
Well, Jesus went into the desert, right? And I, I was running into a lot of people uh, this this past summer. I went out west to the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's not my first time up there, but I was able to spend some time. And and all these people were like, "Yes, I love going into the wilderness and reconnecting." You know, like you know, stepping away from things. And so there are some people who want to go out to the wilderness, but that's a little bit of a different wilderness than what. The Bible says, you know, Jesus went out to the wilderness and there fasted for 40 days. And so, like, I wanted to make the connection. What we desire is also connected to to what Lent really is. And even though the desert out in the, you know, the Holy Land isn't the most hospitable place, it is a place of encounter. And to kind of find that place of encounter where we are at, you know, during this Lent, that's, that's really it for the whole goal of us realizing again that we're made for heaven, that there's a purpose for this. We're not just like doing this because we're like some sort of masochists and just like want to suffer for our sins. I mean, like there's a place for that, of course, but like, you know, we're we're created for heaven and this is good news. And this this gives meaning to some of the suffering, some of the struggles, some of the just like, eh, that we oftentimes have to kind of like wade through. But in a way, Katie, I wrote this book for like the person who's like, okay, it's Lent again. Here I am. I kind of like wanted to write to that person. I think everyone can receive something, but I wanted to like invite people to go just a little bit deeper. Yeah. The apathetic linter. That's me sometimes, not going to lie. (laughs) Yeah. That phrase made for heaven, it sounds really great. I believe you when you say it. I believe that. I think as a professional Catholic, as a priest, right? And I I say that with some tongue in cheekness there. It's really, really easy to say that phrase. It's really hard to articulate that to people in 2024, though, because I don't think people believe it. Why do you think people don't believe that? A lot of reasons. I mean, like, people have been let down by the institutional church in a lot of different ways. People feel let down by their priests, by the parish secretaries, by the bishops, by the the Vatican that didn't do something, whatever the Vatican is. But I think that overall... There's a distrust in institutions. Mm. It's like it's a vein running through our society. And so there's like disillusionment across the board. Uh, like people don't know who to trust or what to trust in. And that's scary. That's scary. Like if I'm driving and I, I can't trust that someone's going to stop at a red light, that is menacing. And I think spiritually, that's where people are at. Like they don't know where to go. But if they do find something or someone, they're like, this is what I've been looking for. And um, I pray and hope that in this in this time of uncertainty in so many realms, that people can kind of find that when they realize or come to the deeper knowledge that they're made for heaven. You use a couple of really great words in this book that I, I think I've heard you actually say them in talks before, some Hebrew words. That we're going to dig into over the course of the entire season of this Ave Explore series, but as people are reading the book, you say it right at the beginning of the introduction. We're not spoiling anything by telling people this now. Explain to us this idea of Kadesh and Kadosh. I hope I'm saying those correctly. Yeah, got to give credit to uh, Father Rock, one of the CFR brothers in New Mexico, who helped me along with that. Great. Uh, He just loves scripture so much. So Kadesh is uh, holiness and kadosh is wilderness. And there was a real understanding in the Hebrew people that they went into the wilderness so that they could become holy. That the people that were liberated from slavery in Egypt still needed that purification so that when they would enter into the Holy Land, like they were ready. 
And, you know, like the whole time in the desert is also uh, some of the imagery for Lent in the Old Testament and Exodus and uh, Numbers. Uh, a whole bunch of crazy things like happen there. And it's it's very significant so that we know that this entering into this wilderness, it need not be so scary because it does have a purpose. I don't know about you, Katie, but like when I'm sick and I don't know what I'm sick with, I feel more pain. But when you just tell me, it's like, oh, you just have the flu. Like, especially like this post-COVID world is like, oh my gosh, do I have COVID? What do, do I have? have? Yeah. Do I, do I have? And it's menacing. And like, I just got sick a couple of weeks ago and I took a COVID test. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sick, but it's not COVID. That's what I'm telling people. I'm sick, but it's not COVID. And like, it just gave me some relief. And like, if I'm going through a time of spiritual trial, but I know that there's a purpose for it, like it just changes it. And that's the Kadesh Kadosh connection. The Israelite people would have their feast of booths, right? Where they would remember that they went in the wilderness. And so they basically camp out and they barbecue. And it was like fun. And like, I, I love that. You know, like, hey, remember, you know, our people back in the day, we went through the desert. So we're going to like camp out. And all the, the, the little kids are like, yay, you know, to like be able to see it like that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Like I struggle. And when I struggle, I'm like, Lord, please get me through this. But I want to be there. I want to look at those, those times of desolation and be like, okay, I see it. You're doing something here, Lord. And I hope that the book can kind of like help people along yeah. through those, those times. I love that word menacing. It's, we don't use that word enough because there are menacing things in our culture, in our society, in our, in our hearts and in our minds. I feel like the devil is very menacing and like, making us doubt that God has a purpose or that there is goodness to be found in the hardship mm. and just like tries to drag us into like, no, it's just going to suck. And it's like, yeah, but there's a purpose to that. There, There's an end to that. Like the Lent is not forever. We're not forever Lenten Catholics. We're, we're Easter people, but Lent gets us to that Easter celebration with that, that purpose. Talk to me about what Lent looks like for friars who are already living a somewhat penitential life. I mean, the no socks and cold weather is a bit of a, a sacrifice, but what does Lent look like in the CFR community for you guys? Are there more intense fasts that you take on, more intense prayer practices that you incorporate? You guys are kind of everywhere these days in podcasting and writing. Do you all kind of put a lock on all of that so you can really focus on spiritual lives? Tell us what it looks like. Preaching wise, we really go out mm. and there's a lot of parish missions during Lent. And so we'll descend on a parish and like, you know, three or four friars at a time and just like, you know, preach at the messes, you know, give talks, hear confessions. We really do see it as a time of evangelization, but in internally at the friary, you know, we'll take on extra prayer practices. We, there's usually a lot of soup going on, you know, <laughs> soup for, for the, the normal meal as one of our fasts and, and extra prayers. We'll do different penances in prayer and then brothers take on their own fasts and, and penances if if they so choose or extra prayers like you know maybe some brothers will, will say the rosary i'm actually i'm gonna out myself here i'm uh, i'm walking with a group of men doing exodus 90 and oh. so well, we already started and um man who i don't know where the people from exodus 90 are from but like you know <laughs> to do it at this time is like cold showers in the yeah. winter is not fun yeah it's not fun but anyway so stuff like that this ordinary time is pretty short so have, did y'all start exodus 90 in advent uh it started the the well the third really because okay oh no the second okay yeah it's we, we take off for feast days which okay. is okay. catholic 
Yeah, it is right. Like you're allowed a hot shower on, you know, the feast of the presentation of the Lord or something like that. Rooting for Candlemas. Valentine's Day this year is Ash Wednesday, but that's okay. In the South, we'll have Mardi Gras to get rid of all of our candy from first. For those who don't know, Exodus 90 is kind of an intense fasting and spiritual formation program for men that involves famously cold showers, no TV, lack of scrolling. It's this very ascetic embrace. You mentioned the the fasting component of soup and simpler meals. Of the prayer and fasting and almsgiving, we asked this last year in our Lent series. It was very popular. Do you have one that you really love to embrace? Like, oh yeah, give me all the almsgiving. Like I love to give stuff away. And one that like you're kind of avoiding or you sometimes make it easier for yourself if you have the chance to. Hmm. Yeah, good question. So almsgiving, I don't really have like money. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're poor. <laughs> you're supposed but, to be. <laughs> um, we do give food away, yeah. and and so I love giving food out. Like we just we just heard that you know uh, this this one family is like not being able to make rent, and so like we're like connecting them with people to like you know help them along. So people are struggling, people get sick and stuff like that. We hear of all these situations. And so to be able to like help people out with that, I'm also pretty happy that, you know, I found some people to support friars who wanted to like, you know, go and take a pilgrimage in a CC and stuff like that. I love that stuff. You know, that's like, it's not like we're going to be living in the lap of luxury, but like people <laughs> want to do good things. And yeah. for me to make that connection, I'm very happy to. And we're going to be doing some missions later on in the year. So I'll be like letting people know like, hey, one of my new responsibilities is like I'm in charge of Central America for my community. So like I really want to let people know what the needs are down there. And there are a lot of needs. So to be that connector uh, is something I, I love. But what I struggle with. Um, you know, so we do penance. I mean, like people freak out because like we sleep on the floor and like we're walking barefoot all the time. That's not going to get me into heaven. But when you do more stuff, I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm already doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> so it's just like, so we do penances. Like sometimes we'll stand during our prayers for the entire time. And it's annoying. Mm. It's annoying. I'm like, oh, man, I just want to sit down for this reading. Uh, or, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll eat our meal like on our knees and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. It's more, it's not like it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like annoying. Mm-hmm. And that's, Nah, that that gets me. That that's a challenge. That stretches me. Tell us why that that's important, though. Like, tell us why that you're not just doing it to say, "Oh, we ate our soup on our knees today." Like, there's a value to that. What's the bigger value? It's to help us to pause and stop, and be aware of the grace that's happening. Usually, that's done the day before a solemnity, mm. and so it's it's for us to kind of like enter in more to what that is. We need it. The world, even for friars, it moves so fast. Yeah. And we miss people. Like we we miss the Lord walking by. And mm-hmm. so that's that's meant to help us kind of like just just stop and be curious and uh and enter into the wonder of the person that's right next to us. A lot of the folks who are gonna use this book are going to listen to this podcast. And so this is a chance for you as the author of Made for Heaven to really give us the word of encouragement. I mean, is there a favorite week that you loved writing particularly? Is there a component of the reflections that you really want people to focus on? Or even just a word of encouragement to folks right here before Lent even begins. This is coming out right before Ash Wednesday. So people have another week to really get ready. Uh, what, what do you want to say to folks as they prepare for their entrance into the Kadesh? I'm not sure if I have a favorite week. I really love the first like three weeks 
basically what I do is I take a gospel and I like, you know, like peel it like a, like an onion uh, in the different days. And like the prayers, it's so incredible when like, you just read a verse and you're like, let's just stay right there. Mm -hmm. I was kind of joking around. I was going around with the book because we get, you know, the advanced copies and I was like, okay, say stop. And I'd open it like the, the Bible roulette kind of thing. And I'd open it to one of the prayers at the end of the meditation and, and the questions. And I'll just read it to people. And it's kind of amazing how like the prayers like speak to people. Mm. So I guess my favorite part is like the prayers at the end, you know, mm -hmm. I hope that that they they read it all to the end. And I, I really hope that it connects with people's experience because I, I really did go out of my way to, um, to enter into where people are at. Sometimes these spiritual books, like they, they're meant to lead us up. Like I wanted to like start from the bottom <laughs> and just start where people are at. Because people, I, Katie, I mean, like my experience is like people struggling. They're struggling and they need, they need help where they're at. Mm -hmm. It's not intentional, but sometimes they feel like judged that they're not, you know, higher mm -hmm. or spiritually more advanced. And it's totally not like that. But I wanted to start where they're at. I love that. I think helping people build a solid foundation really just makes the celebration at Easter even better because you've worked for it. You've walked through it. You've really prepared yourself well. And I think this book's going to help a lot of people. Father, you mentioned working down in Central America for people to know what's needed. Can you tell us what's needed? And can you tell us where we can help? And then a bit about your mission of Corazon Puro. Yes, uh, we need lots of prayers, definitely. Our friars are in Honduras and Nicaragua. And the nonprofit that I helped to found is in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Honduras, you know, really trying to bring uh, the good news of what it means to enter into your vocation for young people. And young people are getting blasted by all these crazy agendas and narratives. And we think that, you know, the family is really strong in Latin America, and it is, but yo, it is crazy to see all the thought gymnastics and the false narratives that are being rammed down people's throats. And so the friars are really, really working hard, especially in pro-life, especially in the area of the dignity of the human person. That's definitely needed some, some beautiful, awesome prayers. And then check us out, Corazon Puro. We, we do missions. Corazon Puro means pure heart, comes from Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God, and put in me a firm spirit a steadfast spirit. And we just do retreats, healing retreats, chastity retreats, uh, sharing with young people the beauty of the theology of the body, but also just saying like, hey, it can happen. Maybe your parents never got married. Maybe you never met your dad, but this is possible. You can be a good father. You can be a good husband. Just walk with us. And so that's what we do. We walk with these young people and it is beautiful because they give the talks better than I could ever. <laughs> once, once they get it, they catch fire. It is beautiful. That's awesome. Father, thank you for your great work. Thank you for this beautiful book. I, I can't wait for it to be in people's hands. Have a happy Lent. Thank you, Katie. God bless you. Father Agostino and I have been friends for a number of years. We've spoken at conferences together. We've hung out in Mexico. We've gone and seen Our Lady of Guadalupe together. He's a dear, dear friend. And, and one, of the, um, one of the things I'm always so struck by is that after we stop recording and the Zoom is turned off and the microphones are no longer super hot and we're just visiting and we're hanging out, he's always quick to ask me, you know, how are you doing? How's your spiritual life? How's your prayer life? He's, he's not just a, a show priest that writes big books and gives podcast interviews and speaks on stages. He's a, a pastor at heart. He's a father. And I've been very blessed to have 
him in my life as a friend and, and as a spiritual leader, as someone I deeply, deeply admire. And I know that that's going to come forth in the book. That as I've read through the book, as I've interviewed a number of our guests for the show and heard from them, you know, Made for Heaven is really this, this deep internal work that's going to unfold in your heart as you look at what it means to receive the mercy of the Father, as you look at what it means to really embrace fasting, as you look inside yourself to realize, okay, where am I maybe resisting the love of God in my life? And how can I welcome that love into my life? We have a link down in our show notes so you can grab a copy of Made for Heaven, which again, you're going to love. It is absolutely stellar. Please don't hesitate to buy a copy. Like I mentioned before, we've got some incredible guests coming up this season. Mark Hart will be joining us next week. Tanner Kalina, Claire and Mike Couchy, Manny Gonzalez. Just some incredible people who will be sharing their stories of faith, sharing their journey through Lent themselves. We hope that you subscribe to our show, that you hit the little follow button so that you don't miss any of the great work that we're doing here on Ave Explorer, so you can hear all of these incredible testimonies and stories and insights into the Lenten season. And of course, you still have ample time here. We're just starting Lent on Ash Wednesday, ample time to lean into the Lenten season and grab a copy of Made for Heaven. We're so excited to go on this Lenten journey with you. We'll be praying for you as we walk this road of Lent together. And we'll see you next week for Lent week one, the first Sunday of Lent with Mark Hart. Mark Hart.